Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today, author Carl Gallups will begin a deep dive into God's threshold covenant, and then Josh Davis will share an important moment of prophecy. Each year, SWRC presents its prophecy calendar. This special resource benefits you and the prisoners we serve through our Onesimus Prison Outreach Ministry. This year, the calendar is truly spectacular, with stunning pictures from the Holy Land and added bonuses that I know you're going to enjoy. Southwest Radio Ministries creates this unique calendar filled with scripture, comfort, and inspiration from God's Word. We also partner with each of you who purchase a calendar to encourage prisoners. For every calendar you order, a calendar will be given to a prisoner free of charge. Order your calendar and encourage a prisoner. Calendars are ready to ship today. Order yours when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order on our website, swrc.com. These calendars make great gifts. 1-800-652-1144. Have you heard of God's Threshold Covenant? If you haven't, you're in for a roller coaster ride of biblical discovery that will enhance your understanding of God's Word and its application to your daily life like never before. Here's our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, with today's guest, Carl Gallups. We're going to talk about a new book by Messianic Rabbi Zev Parat. Rabbi Parat has been on the show before. He's just a tremendous man of God, a tremendous writer. Now, the title of the book that we are offering on these two shows is Blood Alliance. The rest of the title is, and listen to this because it really describes what's in the book, Yeshua's Threshold Covenant and its impact on you in the midst of our prophetic times. It's really a very, very important book written by a very dynamic and spirit-filled Messianic rabbi, Zev Parat. However, Rabbi Zev Parat is in Israel at the present time, and he cannot do an interview. He's right there now ministering Christ to those people in their time of need. Please pray for Rabbi Zev Parat. Please pray for Prime Minister Netanyahu and the IDF and all of the people there at this time. And I really mean it. Not only the Jews, but also the Palestinians, everybody. I believe that Jesus loves them all. So like I said, Rabbi Parat is not with us. However, Zev's dear friend is with us, and he has been on our program many times before. I'm speaking about Pastor Carl Gallops. He is going to do these interviews. And so, Pastor Carl, thank you so much for willingly taking this responsibility on your shoulders, all the extra work and the time with me. We really appreciate you. Thank you, Brother Larry, for, for your kind, kind words. And, and as you know, and probably some of your listeners know, Zev and I are very close. We've been in ministry together for years. We met through a book that I had written over a decade ago. He was in it. I actually referenced his ministry, what I had seen on the Internet, and some videos. And I don't want to get all into that book, but he called me out of clear blue from Israel one day and said, Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) And so we, we hit it off that day, and I told him when we hung up, I said, You know, I just have a feeling from the Lord that you and I are going to do some ministry together. Well, little did I know what a prophecy that was, because... Within months, 
we were doing ministry together online and videos and interviews. But then he came to the United States. We were writing books. We wrote a book together through Defender Publishing. We co-authored a book. We were doing interviews all over the United States. We became very close. We lived in motel rooms together for weeks at the time over here in the States. I've been to Israel with him. We've done tours. We've become very close. So anyway, the two books that he has written completely, you know, by himself. In other words, he helped me write a couple and co-authored mm-hmm. one, but it was the Unmasking the Chaldean Spirit. That yes. was prior to this one. And then now this one, Blood Alliance. In both of those, he asked me to write the forwards for them. So I did, but I read every word of the book. Mm-hmm. I just, I love what he writes and, and his insight. And so on this one, Blood Alliance, not only did I write the forward, not only did I read every word of it, but he actually asked me to write, I don't know, four or five chapters that are in this book, and he actually gives me credit for it in the book. And yeah. I, asked, I told him, I said, you don't have to do that, brother. He said, nope, nope, you're writing it, <laughs> so I'm going to give you the credit. And then I helped him do a lot of research. He has helped me do a lot of research over the years for my books, because he speaks Hebrew as his mother tongue. Yes. So anyway, that's my, you know, the depth of my knowledge of his ministry and his life and his family, and also the books he writes. So that's why I was willing to do this interview for him in Since He Can't. And thank you for having me on. Yes, you are just the person for for the interview. Pastor Carl, would you give us an update on what you are hearing from Rabbi Zev Parat right now in Israel? And what is Rabbi Zev doing at this difficult time? I think he's ministering. What a, what a tremendous job. So yes. tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, Rabbi Zev has deep ties to the Orthodox rabbinical community, deep ties to the Israeli government, and especially Benjamin Netanyahu's government through his mother's side. In fact, there are people in his mother's family that hold high positions of importance within the Israeli government. Plus, Zev has deep connections to the IDF, of which he, of course, was right. belonged and was an officer, etc. Plus, he was born and raised in the most Orthodox community, B'nai Barak, of Israel, his whole family line are Orthodox Jewish people, and his father and grandfather and great-grandfather were Orthodox Jewish rabbis and members of the Dayan, the rabbinical courts. So he's deeply ingrained in Israeli life, which gives him the ability often to move about relatively freely when others cannot. That happened during COVID, when they pretty much put the whole country down, locked down, but yet Zeb was given a special pass during COVID to get out among the people. And the reason is because he ministers to people. He takes food. He takes clothing. He gives relief and aid. And, you know, of course, he's able to to speak about Yeshua when he can. The Orthodox don't like it that he's now a (laughs) believer in Yeshua. (laughs) They don't like that at all. But they do love him and his family. So, yeah, so in, in relation to what's happening with the war, it's the same thing. He's able to get around a lot. He knows a lot of the IDF guys, you know, the roadblocks and stuff, and they let him through, and he knows people in the government and the Orthodox community. So he goes from the north end of the country to the south end, doing all of these things, ministering Yeshua. Plus, he has house churches. He always has, because he leads a lot of Jews to the Lord. And those guys, they, the men and women that are Orthodox, a lot of times their family denounces them, disowns them. Some of Zev's family has done that to him. Right. So they have to meet him private. They can't just go to a Christian church somewhere <laughs> in Israel, you know, 
and and so so he has house churches and he travels the whole length of the country and he's got people that help him that you know believers that he has discipled he's kind of a modern day apostle paul you know and wow. and he's just got little churches everywhere and he just goes and he has bible studies and prayer meetings and he ministers to people and he counsels with people so that's what he's doing even now he and his wife live in Tel Aviv. Of course, Tel Aviv has been hard hit by this, yes. and it's still being hit. I talked to him just a couple of days ago, and he said, Carl, the news cycle in America has basically forgotten about us. He said, we're still at war. He said, helicopters and jets fly over me all the time. Shelling comes in. Bombs and missiles still come in. We've lost a couple of dozen IDF soldiers in the war. Gaza is under siege. Israel has surrounded it. They're inside of it now. He said, it's, it's tough, and we're being threatened all the time. Missiles are coming in from Hezbollah in the north. They're still coming in from Gaza area in the south. Iran is threatening to, you know, to basically nuke us. We've got U.S. aircraft carriers out in the Mediterranean. He said, this is tough. This is war. Right. And he said, but Many, many mainstream media sources in America have, quote, moved on. They don't even talk about it. And he's right. I have to look hard and long to find any late news on the Israeli war, Israeli-Gaza war. Right. And, uh, but so that's, that's what's going on, and that's the very latest I heard from him. I did get a text from him this morning. Here's the problem with communication. A lot of communication services are very sketchy. I don't know if missiles are hitting communication towers or right. if the government, Israeli government, is kind of seizing priority of those. I don't know what's going on, but I know sometimes before I could, you know, say, hey, man, call me. And in 10 minutes, he'd right. call me from Israel. Now I say that, and it might be two or three days before I hear from him. So that's what's going on right now. But he is out, he and his wife, they're in the midst of it all, ministering to people. Wow. Well, thank you so much for that. And I do want to encourage our listeners to uh, remember Rabbi Zev. Uh, what, a, what a great man of God. Thank you for sharing that. Pray for him. Pray for, for the work of the Lord in Israel. These are critical times. People need the Lord. And certainly we can enter into that by lifting these wonderful people up in prayer that uh, they will be safe, that the Lord Jesus will be glorified and the gospel will go forth in great power. Now, Carl, let's, let's focus on the book. Talk to us about Blood Alliance. What does that mean? Okay, yeah, well, thank you, and I'm honored to do this. Yeah, well, Blood Alliance is really another way of talking about the ancient threshold covenant concept that is in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, literally, and I'm not misusing the word literally. And, and Zeb's whole book is about that, and as I said, he asked me to write several chapters and do a lot of research, so I've learned a lot from him and the research, and then, of course, add that to what I already knew. Zeb's book is just amazing, and it had nothing to do with what I wrote, but I'm just saying I've read it from cover to cover because I was so infatuated with it. But Blood Alliance speaks of that ancient threshold covenant idea. And I'm not talking down to anybody. I don't know your audience, what they know about this. Some of them will know everything about this, and some will know nothing about this. So I'm just going to start with the fundamentals, but I don't want your audience to think I'm oversimplifying it. Right. Bottom line is the book is detailed. It's heavily referenced. Zeb is not pulling anything out of his back pocket and just giving a bunch of opinions. 
This is well-studied, well-thought-out, well-written, easy to read, even though it covers a lot of material. But it's all referenced with historical sources, archaeological sources, scholarly sources that go back to the ancient Jews, come right into modern Christian scholarship, and even the classical Christian scholarship. There's a lot of writing on this. And so the bottom line is this threshold covenant idea, it, 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 it goes all the way back, and we have archaeological evidence of this, historical evidence of this. Even before the biblical writings, the cradle of civilization, the oldest form of worship on planet Earth was this thing that we now call the threshold covenant. Now, it, it, it required a blood sacrifice. Now, first, just think about that for a moment. And Zev's understanding, and a lot of scholars is, that these ancient pagans, basically, it started with the the true blood covenant, the true, you know, Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. It, it started with the truth, the Passover coming out of Egypt. What they do, they'd take a lamb and slay it and put the blood on the doorpost. We'll talk about that more in a moment. But we see it in the Bible. The very first biblical instance of a threshold covenant or a blood alliance was in Genesis with Abraham when God says, listen, from you, your firstborn son, of course, he meant the legitimate son, Isaac, will be, he will be the father of, and you and he will be the father, your seed, through your seed will come a great nation. And then it goes on, you know, and whoever blesses you, I will bless, right. whoever curses you, I will curse. Okay. But Abraham says, well, how will I know this? How will I know that this is really going to happen? And God said, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Now, this is interesting. And he told him, he said, take a Take a heifer, take a, a ram, a, a male lamb, take a pigeon, take a dove, cut them in half and put them on this line to have a line in the middle. You walk through this sacrifice. You walk through this trail of blood, and I will honor, and we will make a blood covenant together, a blood alliance, basically. That's the oldest picture of this in the Bible. Now, what was happening was God was telling him, look, all of this, my promise is given to you in a covenant format. Covenant is going to be in blood. Now, I don't know how much he told Abraham because the Bible doesn't record every detail, but what God was getting at was, and I, one day, myself, am going to put on flesh. I, myself, will be the word that becomes flesh. I, myself, will shed my blood, Zechariah 12 says, and on that day you will look upon me, says the Lord, yes. whom you have pierced, and you will, you will mourn for him as an only son. And on that day, chapter 13 says, a fountain will be opened in Jerusalem, and whoever gets under that fountain, their sins will be forgiven. Well, we, we know that was the ultimate blood covenant, the ultimate blood alliance, the ultimate threshold covenant, and I'm going to explain what threshold means in a moment, but it goes all the way back to Abraham walking through that blood covenant line of those animals that God directed he bring and to split them open, to cut them open and lay them out, and then he was to walk through the blood. Now, that's where our English phrase, cut a deal, comes from. Mm -hmm. I'm going to cut a deal with you. Cut. Cut a deal. What does that mean? 
That's what God did with Abraham. I'm going to cut a deal with you. Now, he didn't say it like that, but that's where we yes. get the phrase, to cut a deal. And, and so, so it, it's ancient, ancient. Now, we have archaeological remains, brother, in the, in the, in, from Egypt all the way around to the Fertile Crescent, all through there, of ancient, ancient, uncovered homes from ruins and digs that go back to the biblical times, where in the threshold of doorways is a groove. In fact, it's often called a groover. Sometimes the Bible calls it a basin, and people misunderstand that in the English when it says put the blood in the basin and dip it and put it on the lintels and the doorpost of your home. But the word basin in the English is not a bowl. That's what a lot of people think. But it literally, and so many scholars know this. Zev knows it. He knows Hebrew. He knows the nuances of word. And what it means is put it in the groover. You take a lamb. You sacrifice it. You take some of the blood. You put it in the groover on the threshold. You take a hyssop branch and you dip it in the blood. Most translations say that's in the basin, but that is the threshold. You put it on the lintel, that's the top. Then you put it on both sides of the doorpost. And then you got blood at the bottom. What does that look like? It's a cross. It's a blood-stained cross. Blood at the top, blood on both sides, blood at the bottom. And what's in between the blood? A doorway. And you have to go through the correct door that's under the blood of the cross, if you will. And it's a lamb. It's a lamb's blood. Then God's wrath will pass over you on the night he brings that plague upon Egypt. There's the first picture of a real threshold covenant that God made. He's always made blood covenants with his people living in Satan's world ever since it was stolen in the Garden of Eden. This is Satan's world. So God has made blood covenants. He's basically saying, I'm willing to take a, a bullet for you. In our modern world, I would say, if I would take a train for my children and grandchildren. Yeah, I mean, I, I would let a train hit me. I, I, will, you know, I would go to a cross for them. And that's what God is saying in these blood covenants. He Amen. says, look, Amen. you're going to take this lamb, and you're going to choose it on the 10th of Nisan, the first month. And then you're going to keep it to the 14th. Well, a lot of times the kids played with the lambs. They knew the, the, the livestock was their life. And a lot of these kids knew these little lambs. And then they brought them in for four days and, you know, and then they killed it. And then they put the blood all over the door. And, you know, so this whole ritual was God's way of saying, listen, I'm going to save you, but it's going to be costly to you. And you're going to see that it's by the blood, and you've got to go through the door. Now, jump into the New Testament. What did Jesus say? I am the door, and nobody Amen. comes into my Father's house under his protection unless you come through me, the real door. Well, how do we come through Jesus? Through his blood shed on the cross. The whole Passover was a picture of Jesus, and there is an example of a threshold covenant. You find that idea all the way through the Bible, even to the book of Revelation. You find it several times in the New Testament. I'm going to stop and let you weigh in because I've got much more I can say. But his <laughs> book is about all of that and how it impacts our life and how it addresses what's happening in the world right now, right down to the Israeli war. Amen. Well, the book is Blood Alliance. It's a 390-page paperback. The book will certainly help you see and discern 
the Blood Alliance theme throughout the Bible. Carl Gallup, thank you for fielding questions. We're looking forward to uh, having you back again with us, and you do such a great job. God bless you. This is such real, real stuff. And friends, I really want to push this book. This book is tremendous. You can have it uh, by calling our 800 number, 1-800-652-1144. Pastor Carl, we're looking forward to having you back on the next show, on the next broadcast. So friends, be sure to tune in. And I can tell you, we're just starting to get into a tremendous topic, a tremendous show. God bless Carl Gallops. Carl, I know you're taking this as a little bit of extra work on you, but we really appreciate you being with us. You're so eloquent. And above all, you know Zev Parat in person. God bless you, brother. Thank you so much. It's my honor to do this, Larry. I look forward to the next show. Carl Gallops has more to share concerning God's threshold covenant coming up on our next program. Even if you're familiar with the ancient biblical concept of the Threshold Covenant, in the brand new book entitled Blood Alliance, Messianic Rabbi Zev Perad will take you on a deeper dive into the subject than you've ever before experienced. This incredible journey will produce more moments of explosive insight than you can imagine. Rabbi Perad is uniquely qualified to explore these topics with you, not only because of his riveting testimony, which is included in the book, but also because Hebrew is his first language. That means the insights he brings regarding the nuances of the ancient and original language of the Bible prove invaluable. Zev's faith in Yeshua Jesus is solid and magnetic. His grasp of biblical and historical truths, as well as the life applications of these discoveries, is refreshingly unique. Blood Alliance by Zev Parat. Order your copy today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order on our website, swrc.com. Blood Alliance, 1-800-652-1144. A prophecy about the birth of Jesus reveals the danger in knowing Bible prophecy. What is this danger? How can it be avoided? Josh Davis answers these questions in today's Moment of Prophecy. Have you ever heard the saying, so close and yet so far away? Well, we observe this statement at work in the Bible prophecy about Jesus' birth. I think it reveals the danger of knowing Bible prophecy. Yes, you heard me correctly. There is a danger in knowing Bible prophecy. What is that danger? It's simply this, understanding Bible prophecy in our heads, but not letting it transform our hearts and our lives. So where do we see this on display with the prophecies about Jesus' birth? We find it in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. The scripture says this, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. They said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor who shall rule 
my people Israel, end quote. Now, I believe the wise men were surprised when they arrived in Jerusalem. No doubt they expected to see celebrations in the street and the whole city abuzz about the birth of the promised Savior of the world. And yet, when they arrived, what did they see? Business as usual. No fanfare, no celebrations, nobody talking about the baby, nobody talking about the Messiah. No one seemed to know anything about the birth of this Messiah King. So in search of answers, they went to the top man, King Herod the Great himself. And when news reached his ears, well, you better believe the whole city became abuzz with the questions these wise men from the east were now asking. Herod the Great assembled the top religious scholars and got straight to the point. And we read those scriptures. He wanted to know where the Christ, where the Messiah would be born. And these Bible scholars knew immediately. They had the answer right there, ready to go. In Bethlehem of Judea, they began to quote from Micah chapter 5, verse 2, which prophesies where the Messiah will be born. These scholars knew these Bible prophecies in their heads, but not in their hearts. Here's an important question students of the Bible must ask. Are my studies of the Scripture drawing me closer to God, or am I merely filling my head with knowledge? I'd rather be like the wise men who believed and who lived out the little revelation that they had than I would to be like the religious scholars who had tons and tons of information but zero transformation. Our world is filled with mountains of information today. But how much transformation do we observe? I dare say we've got more access to Scripture today than has ever existed on planet Earth. You can literally carry multiple Bibles in multiple formats around on your cell phone, in your pocket, with you, everywhere you go. It's available all over the internet, many different places. I have several copies of God's Word at home. Our world is filled with mountains of information. But how much transformation do we really have in our lives? Are we letting God's Word transform us from the inside out? Or are we just filling our heads with facts and figures? This is the danger of Bible prophecy and of studying these things without letting it sink into your heart and motivate you to draw closer to the Lord and changing the way that you live out your life and live out your faith every single day that you live. Paul wrote a couple chapters later in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, and I have not charity, I don't have love, I am nothing. Said all this information, you have it in your head, and yet you are nothing at the end of the day because it hasn't stirred your heart, it hasn't transformed your life. So at the end of the day, Herod's Bible scholars proved they had no faith in the God they knew so much about. They were so close and yet so far away. Even if you're familiar with the ancient biblical concept of the Threshold Covenant, in the brand new book, Blood Alliance, Messianic Rabbi Zev Parant will take you on a deeper dive into the subject than you've ever experienced before. Blood Alliance by Zev Parat. Order your copy today when you call 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, Carl Gallops will continue to reveal the attack 
on Yeshua's threshold covenant and its impact on you in the midst of our prophetic times. So be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.